support from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. Thanks for checking in. Big day for the Biden family. The House is voting on the impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Speaker Mike Johnson says that vote is not just valid, it's vital for getting to the bottom of the Biden family business deal. Following the facts where they lead is hitting a stone wall. To fulfill our constitutional responsibility, we have to take the next step. We're not making a political decision. It's not. It's a legal decision. President Biden has repeatedly said he had nothing to do with his son's ventures overseas. The twice indicted Hunter Biden was called to testify behind closed doors today. Before he showed up, he spoke to the media. I've been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. He may be there, but he failed to show at today's closed-door deposition, and now Hunter Biden faces a contempt of Congress charge. This is an investigation about public corruption at the highest level. We have accumulated mountains of evidence that's concerning to an overwhelming majority of Americans. James Comer chairs the House Oversight Committee, which was hoping to question Hunter today. Again, the president's son skipping that scheduled deposition. President Biden delivering his harshest criticism to date of Israel since the war with Hamas started two months ago. Here's reporter Richard Engel. At a fundraiser yesterday, President Biden saying Israel is right to take on Hamas and has most of the world supporting them. But they are starting to lose that support by indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. The president meets today with the families of Americans being held hostage by Hamas. It's his first in-person get-together with those families. Since Hamas invaded Israel October 7th, there are eight Americans still in captivity in the Palestinian territory. Over 30 U.S. citizens died in the Hamas terror attack. The president is pleading with Congress to open the checkbook once again for Ukraine. He wants the war-torn country to receive another $60 billion in USA. Congress needs to pass the supplemental funding for Ukraine before they break the holiday recess, before they give Putin the greatest Christmas gift they could possibly give him. Republicans are balking at the request, saying any aid to Ukraine must be attached to enhanced border security, our border security. Missouri Senator Eric Schmidt. Here we have a president in this country that refuses to address the sovereignty of our own border, our southern border, where there are millions of people coming across, terrorists. We have no idea who these people are. Real Americans are struggling. They want us to focus on that, not a blank check for an endless war. But Arizona Democrat Mark Kelly says it's in our interest for Ukraine to win this war. There will be a clear winner and loser in, in this conflict. I mean, everybody needs to understand that. I mean, there, there will be an end to this, and we need to make sure that the Ukrainians win. But Wisconsin Republican Ron Johnson says there are no winners. There is no strategy for Ukraine to win because they can't win. The only way they could win is they'd have to start lobbing missiles into Moscow. They can't do that. This is 22 months. They, they tried a summer offensive. It didn't work. This is a bloody stalemate. Every day that goes by, more Ukraine gets destroyed. So this war should be brought to an end. The sooner the better. Because every day the outcome ends up being worse. It's going to have to be a negotiated settlement. Which would probably mean parts of Ukraine would be annexed by Russia. To date, the U.S. has provided more than $112 billion in aid to Ukraine.
Ukraine. At a climate change conference in Dubai today, world leaders reached a deal on a new pact to combat so-called global warming. After two weeks of meetings, 200 countries signed the proverbial dotted line, an historic deal to reduce carbon emissions. The agreement is only as good as the implementation. The challenge now will be for these countries to start to implement what they've agreed to do. There are agreements in here to triple renewable energy capacity, to double their energy efficiency. And of course, the big line there is to start to transition away from fossil fuels. The BBC's Carl Nasbin says this deal could signal the beginning of the end of the age of oil. The board of directors at Harvard has voted to keep its president, Claudine Gay, despite her controversial statements about anti-Semitism. Joe Concha is a columnist for The Messenger. It's not surprising because this is, you know, Harvard we're talking about. And the, uh, the ironic thing here is that she presents herself as a champion for free speech. Uh, but if you look at the 2024 college free speech rankings, Harvard places dead last. Zero on a 100-point scale. In testimony before Congress last week, Harvard's president refused to say whether calls for the genocide of the Jews would violate the school's code of conduct. Nikki Haley's just landed a huge endorsement ahead of next month's New Hampshire primary. We are all in on Nikki Haley! The governor of the Granite State, Chris Sununu, has come out in support of Haley as she tries to make a dent in Donald Trump's big lead. The rise in retail theft, the focus of a Capitol Hill hearing. Here's Texas Congressman August Pfluger. These criminals do not show any bias when selecting targets and this crime occurs across a wide spectrum, from big cities to small towns. He says professional shoplifters are exploiting soft-on-crime policies to ransack businesses like Walmart. The severity of large-scale theft and other factors has led Walmart to close several stores and has a raising of prices effect. And from Hollywood, Emmy-winning actor Andre Brower has died following a sudden and short illness. Dr. Robert Thompson runs the Center for the Study of Pop Culture at Syracuse University. If he's not quite a household name, he's certainly one of those people that when you saw him, you would recognize him. And he also had one of those voices that you would recognize. Brower most recently starred on the hit TV show, Brooklyn 999. Now on Call Me Velvet Thunder. He did have one recognizable voice. Andre Brower was 61. Longtime New England Patriots football coach Bill Belichick is retiring from the team at the end of the season. Hard to imagine the Pats without this guy. Belichick led New England to six Super Bowl titles over the past two decades. And still to come on the Noon Report, monumental ruling with national implications. Private colleges struggle to survive and fatal crash near Ithaca. Well, good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams looking at some lake flakes and some sunny breaks on this seasonably chilly afternoon. I'll have forecast details coming up shortly. All right, Kevin, we'll see you in about 10 minutes. In the meantime, let's check the stories making news where you live. New York's highest court says the state's redistricting commission must redraw a new congressional map by the end of February so it can be used in next year's election. Our redistricting process is completely broken here in New York. This endless cycle of litigation and different maps, one political party or the other thinks they're the winners, but the losers are the voters. We need to have a truly independent process. We need citizens drawing the maps and we need to get the politicians 
out of this process. Susan Lerner with the grassroots government watchdog group Common Cause New York. Voters are confused. They don't know who they're going to be voting for. They don't know what district they live in for the next election cycle. There's great uncertainty, and when people are confused, they tend to check out. Republican Representative Nicole Maliotakis. It is unfortunate, and it is a slap in the face to the voters of New York who rejected political gerrymandering. They said they did not want the state legislature to have control of the process. You could not have a more fair resolution than having what we had last year, which was independently drawn maps. The Court of Appeals 4-3 to three ruling expected to help Democrats in their quest to flip control of Congress next year. A 17-year-old is dead, another teen seriously hurt. After a three-car crash in Newfield, New York, Peyton Shaw of Waverly pronounced at the scene on State Route 34, just south of Ithaca, Shaw was a passenger in a Toyota driven by 18-year-old Dale Beeman of Spencer when their car struck the rear of a Jeep that had Stop behind a turning vehicle. After rear-ending the Jeep, the Toyota careened into oncoming traffic where it was struck by a Cadillac. Beeman had to be airlifted to a hospital in Sayre. The drivers of the other vehicles were not hurt. College enrollment is down in New York, and it's one of the reasons why a number of private schools are shutting down. Every college in New York State is having this issue that they have to deal with one way or the other. College of St. Rose President Marsha White says the Albany based institution will be no more in June of next year. If you have a large enrollment, you have that safety net. Ken Gerardin with the Empire Center says kids are getting wise to the fact that they don't need a college degree to land a good paying job. There are career paths that don't begin with a college degree. Since COVID, trade schools that train plumbers, welders, mechanics, and construction workers have seen their enrollment increase by double digits. It's going to be a lot harder for the colleges to adapt with that business model. The cost of college also a huge factor in why fewer are attending. The average price for a private school in New York is now north of 30 grand a year. Fewer couples having kids also a factor in dwindling college enrollment. New York's birth rate down 13% from a decade ago. What's also down is military recruitment in Pennsylvania. Army National Guard veteran Eric Darling. When there are not enough people in the military, that is a serious issue for national security. He says the U.S. military needs to rethink its strategy for boosting enrollment. A lot of warfare in the future is going to be digital. Does that person who sits with a joystick need to be able to run two miles and do, you know, a whole bunch of push-ups and sit-ups? Probably not. This year in Pennsylvania, the Army National Guard missed its recruiting goal by 25%. The Pennsylvania Air National Guard missed its enlistment expectations by more than 45%. Officials have released the cause of a fire in Clarence, New York, that took the life of a 62-year-old woman. The Erie County Sheriff says that in November 26, Blaze was sparked by a faulty chimney. The fire caused more than a million dollars in damage. Beds in juvenile detention facilities are hard to come by in Pennsylvania. Here's Family Life's Brian Query. When a 16-year-old charged with second-degree murder fled from house arrest in November, authorities in Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, scrambled to find a place to house him. His flight put a spotlight on what officials said is an ongoing need to find available options for juveniles charged with 
with crimes and who need to be detained in secure locations. Across Pennsylvania, staff shortages reduce the number of kids who can be placed in secure detention by 20%, while 15 secure juvenile detention centers in the state have ceased operations in the past 20 years. Brian Query, Family Life News. Thank you, Brian. House Democrats in Harrisburg want to get rid of solitary confinement for inmates who suffer from mental health problems. Sponsors of the measure say 85% of people who are incarcerated will return to society, and it's important that they return whole, not broken. They argue solitary confinement leads to a higher recidivism rate. Corrections officials argue the practice is necessary for the protection of prison staff and inmates alike. That bill faces an uncertain future in the state Senate. New York Governor Kathy Hochul's voted, or vetoed, I should say, legislation that would use hemp seeds in animal feed. Here's Family Life's Jeremy Miller. Yeah, the measures would allow for hemp seed hulls and seed meal to be used in feed for pets, horses, and camelids like llamas and alpacas, but not for other commercial livestock. Supporters claim hemp seeds are high in protein and fiber, and a study last year found that feeding livestock industrial hemp has been beneficial effects on stress and activity levels in cattle. Hochul said there's a lack of information about using hemp in feed and directed the Department of Agriculture and Markets to work with Cornell University to study it. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. Thank you, Jeremy. Your midweek, midday sports report next, right here on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, it was an ugly first period for the Rangers at Madison Square Garden last night. Toronto got goals from Austin Matthews and Connor Timmons to quickly go up to zip. Blake Wheeler got one back for the Blue Shirts, but then the Maple Leafs' Kelly Yarkruk and Mitch Marner scored 21 seconds apart to grab a 4-1 lead as they headed into the second period. New York never recovered, falling 7-3. Wheeler had a second goal and Mika Zabana John also lit the lamp for the Rangers. Pittsburgh's four-game losing streak is over. Jake Gunzel and Jeff Carter both scored in the opening period, and then both of them scored again in the third to seal the win, 4-2 over the Coyotes. The Flyers fell in overtime to Nashville, 3-2. Philly went down to zip, but then even things up on goals from Sean Coutier and Travis Sanheim. But Philip Forsberg said enough of that. He scored the game winner just 18 seconds into the extra period to give Nashville the victory. Other winners on the ice, Carolina 4-1 over Ottawa, Detroit 6-4 over St. Louis. The Blackhawks fell to Edmonton 4-1. Likewise, a 4-1 score, Vancouver top Tampa Bay. Vegas in overtime beat Calgary 5-4. Seattle shut out Florida 4-zip. And the Sharks edged the Jets 2-1. In the NBA, the Celtics beat the Cavs 120-113. Your in-season tournament champs, Los Angeles Lakers, they couldn't keep the magic going. They fell to the Mavs 127-125. Denver knocked off Chicago 114-106. Phoenix got past Golden State 119 to 116 and the Clippers 119 to 99 winners over the Kings. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Man. Still to come on the noon report. Hunter no show on the hill. The impact fatherless homes are having and keeping it together during the holidays. We've got Christian counselor Chris Anderson on how to keep the family ties strong during the stress of the Christmas season. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. 
Last week, the presidents of Harvard University, the University of Pennsylvania, and MIT all refused to condemn calls for Jewish genocide as being bullying or harassment. While horrible anti-Semitic speech and behavior have long been defended on their campuses, this debacle occurred before the U.S. Congress. The presidents attempted to appeal to free speech rights, differentiating between speech and conduct via statements that were obviously crafted by their lawyers. Their comments shocked and outraged many. Pence president, after initially attempting to walk back her comments, resigned. Harvard's president quickly apologized, while the MIT Board of Directors issued a statement in support of their president. A survey conducted last year by the College Fix found that 33 out of 65 academic departments across the nation lacked a single Republican professor. Given this virtual monopoly, progressive academics should be confident enough to allow dissenting voices on their campuses every now and then. However, we've seen now years of conservative speakers being canceled and shouted down. It's now clear that many progressives only really wish to hear their own voices. And some professors have even resorted to denouncing free speech as a kind of threat to their campus dominance. Recently, a pair of faculty members from Arizona State University wrote an essay in the Chronicle of Higher Education. It was entitled, and I'm not making this up, quote, Dear Administrators, Enough with the Free Speech Rhetoric, It Concedes Too Much to Right-Wing Agendas. In the piece, Richard Amesbury and Catherine O'Donnell argue that, quote, calls for greater freedom of speech on campuses, however well-intentioned, risk undermining college's central purpose, end quote. Which, according to them, by the way, is, and I quote again, the production of expert knowledge and understanding. In their view, not all opinions ought to be heard, even opinions from dissenting experts, because not all opinions, they say, are equally valid. According to these professors, opinions that are valid are, and I quote again, the product of rigorous and reliable disciplines like the humanities, disciplines that include and often prioritize the study of race and gender. We should no more expect a humanities department to hire a dissenting voice, they argue, than a biology department to hire a creationist or a geography department to host a flat earther. In other words, woke ideologies are now above questioning, according to these professors. This not only is an example of circular reasoning, but the result is an echo chamber, not an education. Polling confirms that institutions of higher learning are suffering right now from a public credibility crisis. According to a recent Gallup poll, just 36% of Americans hold confidence in higher education, which is down 21 points since 2015. It's impossible to look at what's happened on campuses over the last decade or even before Congress just last week and not conclude that this has more than a little to do with the so-called products of the left-wing so-called experts. Ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. And few institutions have propagated as many bad ideas and spat them into our society as our universities. Among the needs of the hour is the proliferation of Christian scholarship, of Christian higher education. I'm hopeful that last week's debacle before Congress is for Christian higher education what the 2020 school board videos and COVID online classrooms became for Christian K-12 schools, the best marketing they could have. However, that'll only be a win if the Christian colleges are truly Christian, truly colleges, and truly Christian colleges. And unfortunately, that seems to be a shrinking group of institutions. May God continue to raise up men and women willing to seek and speak truth, no matter how many so-called experts are telling them to shut up. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Thank you, John. Let's take it outside next. Weatherman Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. The call for this afternoon into tonight. Some lake effect snow and flurries giving a couple three inches in parts of central New York, Syracuse to Oswego. Otherwise, through the afternoon, 
Uh, clouds, limited sunshine, chilly in the 30s, dropping into the 20s tonight. Then tomorrow and Friday, a good deal of sunshine and pleasant. High temperatures tomorrow nearing 40, well into the 40s to near 50 for some for high temperatures on Friday. All right, 50 sound good to me. Thank you, Kevin. I'm Bob Price. This is the Noon Report, and here's what's going on Wednesday, the 13th of December. All eyes on Capitol Hill, where Hunter Biden was supposed to be deposed today behind closed doors about his dad's business deals. Hunter skipped the proceeding, however. He did speak to the media, though, about the Republican-led investigation. And they have tried to dehumanize me, all to embarrass and damage my father, who has devoted his entire public life to service. President Biden could face an impeachment inquiry. That vote in the House set for later on. Speaker Mike Johnson. The White House has stonewalled this investigation. It's gone methodically, carefully, as the Constitution requires of us. It's a very serious matter. But right now, they're not turning over documents. They're not turning over key witnesses. And we'll have to defend our subpoenas in court. So to do that, you need an impeachment inquiry vote from the full House. Republicans can only afford to lose a few votes for the impeachment an inquiry effort to succeed. New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu endorsing Nikki Haley for president. They appeared on Fox News together this morning. To be endorsed by the live for your die governor. The momentum is on our side. People know that we have a country to save. This isn't just let's get behind a candidate that can win. That's obvious. This is really getting behind the best qualified person to be president of the United States. A recent Wall Street Journal poll shows while Donald Trump beats President Biden by four points, Nikki Haley beats Biden by 17 points if the 2024 election were today. Israel started pumping water from the Mediterranean Sea into the network of tunnels used by Hamas in Gaza. Hamas uses those tunnels to move weapons and fighters. Some of the family members of the hostages, though, fear that their loved ones might still be in those tunnels and could die in the flooding. President Biden is criticizing the Prime Minister of Israel over his handling of this war. While speaking to Democratic donors in Washington, Biden described Benjamin Netanyahu's government as the most conservative in Israel's history and said the prime minister doesn't want a two-state solution to the country's conflict with Palestinians. Biden said Israel is beginning to lose public support by the indiscriminate bombing that takes place. I'm Brian Shook. Overseas in Dubai, 200 countries today signed a document promising to transition away from fossil fuels. It's unclear how that pledge to reduce greenhouse gases will be enforced. Critics say if it is, it could mark the beginning of the end of the oil age. Nearly every Tesla sold in this country has been recalled due to an issue with the autopilot. More than 2 million vehicles are subject to the recall to fix a system that monitors drivers as they use the Tesla's autopilot system. An investigation by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration found that autopilot fails to ensure drivers are paying attention when that system is engaged. Tesla says it will send out a software update to fix the issue. I'm Rory O'Neill. 71% of high school dropouts in this country come from homes where dads are not present. So many of the issues happening in America, the root cause is fatherlessness. The Reverend Jack Brewer says it's time to end the epidemic of fatherless families. I always go back to the prisons because that's where you see the real impact of fatherlessness. I will go in and say, how many of you men had a father in your life? Mm. And you'll see 80, 90% of them 
raise their hand and say they did not have a father in their life. Brewer says increased crime is a direct consequence of fatherless homes, too. Children who come from homes where dads are not there are four times more likely to live in poverty. Today is National Cocoa Day, don't you know? Bree Tennis has our report. It's time to cozy up with a mug of cocoa, and that's different from hot chocolate, which we celebrate on January 31st. The difference is subtle. Cocoa is made from cocoa powder, milk, and sugar, then heated. Hot chocolate's made from grated chocolate and added to heated milk. Both good, both invented by the Mayans some 2,000 years ago, and we thank them today on National Cocoa Day. Marshmallows optional. I'm Bree Tennis. No, they're not, Bree. Everyone knows marshmallows are a must. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Real Answers. It's Wednesdays on the Noon Report that we tackle the tough issues facing Christians and Christian families with licensed mental health counselor Christopher Anderson. Do you want to help us cope with the busyness of the season and stay loving toward each other? Yeah, how about that? And I'll tell you what, I, I can definitely relate. So let's jump right in. What statistics do you have? So get this, Greg. The American Psychiatric Association reports that 46% of adults worry about being able to afford the holidays gift giving activities and moms are actually more likely than dads to be worried about it. Um, it's 61% moms versus 47% dads. It translates into increased trips to the store, spending more money online. And, and you know, Greg, there's another really interesting statistic as well. And that's 45% of Americans that are involved in gift giving during the holidays. They report that ho- other holiday shoppers are actually the root of their stress during the holiday season. How about that? 45% of us. I would imagine that a big reason for all of that stress is we're adding all all this shopping, the gatherings, everything else that happens into an already jam-packed schedule. You know, we are. You hit the nail right on the head, Greg. And if you think about it, during the year when we're not in a holiday period, we're already packed with activities, especially if you have kids. So then the holidays come around and then all the unrealistic expectations that go with that from all the different sources the kids have, the in-laws, church activities, you know, etc. It's easy to understand why the holidays have increasingly become more of a burden to people and and unfortunately less of a joy. One thing you wanted to emphasize was married couples. How can married couples navigate through this time of the year without negatively impacting their marriage? Well, Greg, communication is so important, and it really is communicating about the expectations. This is really key here. And then maybe even think back to previous years when you felt that the season ended with unfulfilled expectations or hopes and then make adjustments for this year. You know, if there are a couple of things that you'd really like to actually do this year that keeps getting pushed aside in previous years, then make those a priority. But make sure you discuss this and share your reasons for doing so with your spouse. Try to bring the focus back as much as you can back onto Christ. I mean, that is what we say is the reason for the season. Spend more time with relationships and engaging others in relational activities and maybe de-emphasize the gift giving a little bit. And then, of course, to help maintain a good level of, of relationship with your spouse, be playful and use humor in your activities together, even when you're doing things that are very busy, you know, wrapping gifts, shopping, preparing for holiday gatherings, you know, just try to make it a playful time with your spouse. And a big one is don't delay. Be aware of your own tendency to procrastinate and understand why this happens. Part of this understanding, Greg, is understanding when you're the most productive during the day. And what I mean that is understand your own energy schedule. 
and then take those tasks that might require more energy and schedule them during those times that you believe you will be more productive. In the evenings after we get the kids down and we've had long days at work, we're both, we're white. So we're not going to try to do a lot of heavy duty activities in the evening. But we can be aware of some things that are easier to do, such as maybe throwing on a Christmas movie and, and wrapping gifts together. That's something else that requires some communication. So communicating with your spouse this time of year is huge. You want to make sure that wives and husbands do well, but what about the rest of the family? What mm -hmm. can people do to make sure kids don't get lost in the shuffle? Yeah, there's a lot of shuffle that goes on this time of year. That's for sure, Greg. The temptation is to you know, plop the kids in front of the TV or another screen, which will allow you to get more done. You know, I'm guilty as charged at times on that one. But while I'm not saying you should cut out all screen time, I am saying that this should be limited. And of course, be aware of what your kids are watching. One of the things that my wife and I will do is we'll actually divide up Saturdays to include time for each of us to get some things done while the other one is actually spending time with the kids. Or sometimes I will take our kids to my parents or my wife's parents for a portion of Saturdays. Um, then, of course, Sunday is time for church and then more intentional family time. Include them in the activities as well. All right. So what activities can you include the kids in? You know, decorating or baking cookies or things like that, um, you know, decorating cookies, that type of thing. So that way you're keeping the kids involved and you're spending meaningful and quality time with them as well. Some timely help, and I trust that folks who take your advice will find the month of December a little bit easier. Our guest today, Christopher Anderson, is a licensed mental health counselor. I'm Greg Gillespie. This is Real Answers from Family Life News. All right, thank you, Greg. Real Answers tackling the tough topics facing today's families. Thank you, gentlemen. The program airs Wednesdays during our noon report. You can also catch it online anytime at familylife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A moderately chilly air mass is in place for the short term at least. And as the breeze comes in off the Great Lakes, some lake flurries will be flying from time to time. But by and large, nothing that consequential. The high pressure builds in tomorrow and Friday with more in the way of sun and another warm-up. The call for this afternoon into tonight. Some lake effect snow and flurries giving a couple three inches in parts of central New York, Syracuse to Oswego. Otherwise, through the afternoon, uh, clouds, limited sunshine, chilly in the 30s, dropping into the 20s tonight. Then for tomorrow and Friday, a good deal of sunshine and pleasant. High temperatures tomorrow nearing 40, well into the 40s to near 50 for some for high temperatures on Friday. All right, let me check. Yeah, it is December 13th. Absolutely incredible. Thank you, Kevin. And finally at noon for a Wednesday. Samples from three former U.S. presidents are heading to deep space. No joke. Those samples from John F. Kennedy, Dwight D. Eisenhower, and George Washington will be on board a rocket that will launch early next year. The company Celestis specializes in sending remains and DNA to outer space. It claims off-world storage preserves the samples for thousands of years without degradation. Celestis adds that the DNA of late presidents could help people in the future learn more about U.S. history. Who might those people be? And that's the world we live in Wednesday, December 13th. I'm Bob Price.
Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.